Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back to episode six. In this episode, we are going to talk all about morphemes. Now, maybe it's my fifth grade teacher brain from years ago. I always kind of felt like morphemes were not really something that I would ever get to as a kindergarten through third grade special ed teacher. I thought that stuff comes much older. My kids are not going to be ready for that. And then as I really dove in and started to realize what a morpheme is, I realized, well, holy cow, I'm teaching this at a very young age. So morphemes are actually quite simple. They're not as complicated as what I guess in my mind, that fifth grade teacher teaching Greek and Latin roots actually made them out to be. A morpheme is honestly, or really by definition, just the smallest unit of language. Let's think about a group of students who are learning to read words with three letters, like a CVC word. And they're learning or trying to attempt to decode the word pig. But guess what? That word isn't just pig, it's pigs with an S at the end. We would probably, because we're teachers and we know, oh my gosh, you're this close. You've been working on these CVC words. We might say, hey, cover up that S with your finger and let's see if we can figure out that first part of the word and then we'll put the S on later. And for me, in my group, I teach my students that very early on. I teach them, let's cover up S's, let's cover up ED, let's cover up ING. Some of those things that are often added onto words and it makes the word look longer. It makes the word look more intimidating. But guess what? I can still stretch out the word pig. I'm good at that. And then I can put an S on there and now it's pigs and them understanding that pig is one pig. Pigs could be two pigs, three pigs, 10 pigs. And that is definitely within their understanding and their ability to decode at that point. But if they're never taught, they're going to be like, whoa, a word with four letters. I don't know how to read that. And they're going to give up. But we can teach our students early on that that S or that ED or ING we can totally read that. We can totally add that to a word that we already know. And now it's like, ooh, we just doubled our vocabulary. We just doubled the words that we could read because now we can add endings to them. So even though I had this big, scary, like, oh my gosh, morphemes as this Greek and Latin root, Yes, that is, but it's so much more simple than that. And so we can help our students become better readers and better spellers and decoders by helping them understand some of those simple chunks, that small unit of language that has a meaning like making something plural or adding ing, making it an action or adding ed, making something in the past 
they have a meaning and we can kind of memorize those. We could look at a poster in the room and see those and that would help us understand that if I see that in a word, I'm gonna cover it up and ignore it for a minute, figure out what my word is and then add it back at the end. So having your students know and understand that and then know what do we do with that is a big foundational part of kids understanding morphemes and becoming more confident readers and spellers. You know I like to overcomplicate things, so it would not come to any surprise that whenever I started thinking about compound words also being a morpheme, also being something that we can teach our kids, like this is one unit, this is one unit. Don't try to spell all the units at one time. Try to focus on the first part, get that underway, and then try to focus on the second part. Compound words also kind of fall into that category of being a morpheme, something that we can teach our kids. Hey, if it's a really long word, look for a word or a chunk that you do know within that bigger word. So for example, that CBC group, maybe they're trying to write a sentence about something that they did over the weekend or something that they ate over the weekend, and they're trying to spell the word hot dog. That sounds like a really big word, but guess what? That's two CVC words shoved together. And using kind of our understanding of compound words, we can help them spell words that are a little more tricky but we have to kind of be brave enough or let them test the waters and see, can you break that into, okay, hot, let's focus on hot, let's focus on dog. You just spelled a six letter word, even though you're only working on spelling three letter words. So is it as simple as hot dog? Probably not, but sunset, that works the same way. There are things there that compound words can help unlock the door to looking or listening for chunks of the word that we know. Later, as we've talked about syllables, we know that these simple things are gonna translate into something more complicated later. Do they have to be able to spell the entire part of the word correctly? No, but if the word were sunshine, hopefully they could get sun right and do their best with shine. What do they think they hear? So compound words are definitely something that we don't want to ignore. We want to use them to empower our, our kids to be aware that sometimes two words that we know are put together and it makes that word look a little intimidating, but we can figure out what that word is. Contractions work very similarly. So it's important for kids to understand that yes, we might in writing sometimes say something, but our words don't come out in the same way. So I wouldn't say, I do not like pizza. I would more than likely say, I don't like pizza. And that sounds more like what I would actually say if I were talking to a friend versus using the words do not. Do not, that sounds pretty formal. There might be times when you should say do not. But having an understanding of contractions can help your kids both read and spell some of those words that are contractions. Um, I don't think that it's the easiest skill in the world to master because we also have things that don't always follow all of those rules, but I think it's good to expose your students to that. Let them know that there are times where if you're trying to spell the word don't, there really are like missing letters, things that don't quite make sense. Like, what do I put in here? 
or wouldn't or would have. What would that be if I were actually trying to write that down? Them just having a knowledge and understanding lets them know we've taken two words and kind of shoved them together so that it sounds like something that would actually come out of our mouth instead of this prim and proper perfectly written sentence that doesn't actually sound like what we would say in real life. Similarly to those endings, like with an S or an ED or an ING, we also have prefixes and suffixes. What I love about prefixes and suffixes is that they're often short. In many cases, two or three letters at the most. Obviously, there are some exceptions, but Overall, for some of our younger level readers, you know, two or three letters like re or un or ly are easy to, again, kind of broaden what they know. Cover up that un and stretch out the rest of the word. Cover up that re and stretch out the rest of the word. And then we'll just add re, re-read, repeat, replay, things that they already know, but having a good understanding of prefixes prefixes and suffixes. That's hard to say when you're talking so fast. Um, But prefixes and suffixes really kind of empower them and teach them to start looking for parts of the word that they know. And last but not least, we have Greek and Latin roots. And this honestly is the hardest the most difficult if we're talking about morphemes. And remember, that's where my fifth grade teacher mind was at. I was thinking like morphology, you want me to teach my youngins all of this? Like that's not happening. That's too hard. Well, that's because I was thinking of the far end of the spectrum where we are learning. What does J-U-D mean when you see it in a word? What does T-R-A-N mean when we see it in a word? You know, what do those chunks that would be hard for my kids to spell anyway, or some of my kids, it would be hard for them to spell anyway. You want me to teach them that? Well, this is the end of that. This is where then Okay, now you've mastered some of those blends, digraphs, vowel teams, you're spelling words with multiple syllables. Now it's appropriate to learn some Greek and Latin roots. Now is when that fifth grade mindset that I was thinking of, that's really when that's coming into play. So be mindful of there. this is a spectrum. We're starting simple. We're starting with a one or two letter ending and going with these roots that actually have a meaning that can actually help me figure out what a word might mean if I just know what this one particular chunk means. So as I've grown and as I've seen this kind of in real life in action, I'm realizing that morphemes are so much more simple than what I initially thought. Morphemes are not this big, hairy, scary thing that I have to wait until they're older or wait until they're better readers or wait until they can spell more difficult words. No, they can understand this even at a young age. And as a good teacher, we should be meaning them where they are. And really, I was unknowingly doing that, but it's nice to realize I am laying that foundation so that now you understand that adding an S makes something plural. And that's the same as adding M-E-N-T to the end of a word. It's the same concept, just how easy or how difficult is that particular skill that you're talking about. 
If you're a reading series user, you know that I have been working over the last year or so to take my printable reading series that I was using before the pandemic that I you know, used with my kids. And then all of a sudden now we're going virtual and I have this reading series that I've been working and experimenting with. Oh my gosh, I need to go digital. So I've been working over the course of the year to take that to be a digital version. And once I started writing then the next set of 10, I needed help. And so I asked a friend of mine if he would care to copy and paste a lot of the printable into this little template so that it could be used uh, virtually. And so as he got started, he kept telling me, Amanda, you don't have this word in like day one or week one, day two, or week 17, day four. You don't have this CVC word or you don't have this word with a beginning blend. You know, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I totally leave things out. I totally make mistakes. But it was like, man, you're you're like really adding a lot to these. Did I really leave out that word or those words that many times? Like what is wrong with me? As I got to looking, he was looking for the word dog, the word pig, just that three letter or that four letter word or whatever the the phoneme and grapheme of that week was, he was looking for that word. But in the reading series, we still highlight dogs or we highlight dog and leave the S off so that our, you know, the kids are noticing, oh yeah, the word dog, it's here. But guess what? It has something extra. Guess what? It has an ending. Um, I One week that came to mind was the word run. And he was like, Amanda, you only have the word running. Yeah, highlight run and let them see that ending. So even an adult, even somebody, you know, who he is a very smart and intelligent guy is looking at those and thinking, I left out the word. I didn't even use the word run. Well, guess what? I did use running. And that is a big, big lesson to our students to see, hey, the word is there, but sometimes it's hiding. Sometimes there's something else there. Um, The word cannot has been tricky for us as well. And I'm not so sure I would consider cannot a compound word, but it's definitely for my lower level students in that bottom level of the reading series, can is a sight word and not is a word that we can stretch out. So how does that work then? Well, we have to teach our kids to use what we know and start looking for parts of the word that they know. And I think that's incredibly important to teach them at a very young age. As soon as they start learning to decode words, teach them that there are going to be other things. Just like we would teach them, you know what, the word the is the, whether it's at the beginning of a sentence and has a capital letter, or it's in the middle of a sentence and has a lowercase letter. We do the same thing. You still know the word the, even though one has a capital and one doesn't. You still know the word dog, whether it's dog or dogs. It's the same thing. But if we only teach things in isolation, they're never going to generalize some of those things. So my biggest lesson, my biggest point from this episode is start teaching your students those morphemes. Start teaching them that there are parts of a word that add to what we already know. And ing, I don't really want to stretch that out. I don't really want to sound it out, but I can memorize it so that when I see it, I know exactly what to do with it. When I stretch out the word get 
and I see ing after it, I know that that's the word getting. Run, when I see that ing after it, I know that's running. So we have to teach our kids that we don't know all the words, we don't know all the things, we can't spell all the words and all the things, but we can understand that all of this spelling stuff works in a whole lot of chunks and pieces that we have to put together. So make sure you take time and when opportunities present themselves, talk about that with your students. Whew, morphemes. Man, I was a little intimidated by that topic initially. I think for me, I needed to have a change of mindset. I can teach my kids how to add those endings as they're spelling words. I can teach my kids to um, spell compound words or, or words that are much longer because they do have a good foundation of some of those phonemes and graphemes. Now put them to work in different ways. In next week's episode, we are going to talk about the development, kind of the progression that students take through spelling from most simple, most supported, most help to more difficult, independent spelling on their own. So it's a big topic again and something that I can't wait to talk about. So I will see you in episode number seven. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.